Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. To kick this one off, just a very brief update on the house situation or the house ordeal. It looks like we will be closing now. We've come to an agreement that uh, basically we're going to close on the original closing date because I don't want to lose my mortgage rate. I got a really good one. don't want to lose it. And we they will pay rent for two months to stay in the house while they find another house. So it, not ideal. I mean, again, we're walking around boxes. I have a, a shipment of cages I was going to order that was supposed to be getting shipped to the new house because we got a lot of things we got to, you know, fix up. But it's it's a decent solution. It, it, at least at least we're getting the house. That's what it comes down to. It was it was a little sketchy there if we we're even going to get the house. Just frustrating because you know if if we knew we had the extra two months, we probably wouldn't have packed up as much stuff as we had packed up. So. Everybody's, you know, a little bummed because we were all the, the whole summer. It was or the whole last month. It's been like steamrolling toward this big move, and everybody's excited. The kids are all excited, and now obviously that won't be happening for a little while. We're kind of hoping to have Thanksgiving in the new house, and as it looks now, we'll be closing or we'll be able to actually move into the house that Thanksgiving weekend. So we'll probably still have it in the old house. But anyway, it's it's going to go through. So that's been a big stress for Billy and I both. I mean, a, a really big stress. And then I finally finished my doing my month at my older job on Friday. That was a little bittersweet. It was kind of weird walking out of there. I've been there, I think, nine years, eight or nine years. I don't even know anymore. And uh, it was it felt odd to walk away from it. But uh, I'll be starting the new job this Friday. So that'll be interesting. So a lot of cool things happening. So I just wanted to update. And again, I don't usually get into my personal stuff, but it's obviously I've been quiet. The people for the videos, I haven't put videos up in quite a while and people are wondering what's going on. It's just there's too much on my plate right now. And I don't ever want this to feel like it's something I have to do. So the good news is it won't be too long before we're in the new house and it start busting out, you know, the, so much I want to do, so much we're excited about. And we can, the good thing is also for a little, for a couple of days, there are all talks about the new house and what we're going to do with the tarantula room and the bedrooms and everything. We have all this stuff we want to do and that just stopped because we're like, we don't even know if we're getting this place. So now we're back to talking about what we're going to do with the tarantula room. I'm back to, you know, being on eBay and Amazon and Nakia trying to figure out how I'm going to set the room up and everything. So that's really good and exciting. It's going to happen. At least it being on Thanksgiving weekend, it'll give us a little extra time to, you know, get that first big push and big move over. And uh, I'll be really, I'm really excited about doing, you know, the first video reveal of it and showing everybody what we're going to do and setting it up. So that aside, today we're going to talk a bit about feeding. It popped up quite a bit and a buddy of mine, Mark K. And Mark, I was going to say your last name and I'm afraid I'm going to butcher it. So just let me know what it is and I'll get it in the next podcast. I have this thing about mispronouncing people's names. I would rather just use an initial than butcher it. But Mark messaged me and was basically asking about feeding, and I'll read kind of an encapsulated version of his message here. Uh, suggestion feeding, not what or how to feed, but how much every time. I hear you and others give more than one prey item. Even with the Zacharias, you mention a couple of prey items. I always feed all of my spiders just one prey item every time. I feed once a week to 10 days. I give them as large as they can and will eat. So... This is an interesting discussion. I know I've covered feeding before, but it's actually popped up quite a bit. I had somebody one week tell me that I my spiders were going to be gluttons because I fed them too much. And I only feed once a week. And I'll go into what I feed, how often I feed, and, and why I do it, my reasoning behind it. And then I had somebody else tell me that you don't feed your spiders enough. You should be feeding them daily, which obviously one of the, one of those people is a little more right than the other. But the, the big message I want to send is there really is no right or wrong with feeding schedules for the most part. There are, you know, I, I actually really, I mean, unless you just starve them to death, there really isn't a right or wrong. That's obviously going to be wrong. And I think the problem with tarantulas is, again, they're one of those pets that don't fit into like 
what we're used to as far as keeping for pets with their care. So by that, I mean, if you get a dog or you get a cat, what are you going to do? You're going to feed it at least once a day. I know some people do the one big meal thing. We do the two. We do breakfast and dinner. But the gist of it is they're going to get access to food at least daily. Now, all of a sudden, you get a tarantula. And a lot of people, I can't tell you how many people email me. And it doesn't come out like they're not telling me to be corrected. They're telling me just as a matter of fact, yeah, my spider's eating great. It ate three crickets uh, four days ago. It ate two crickets the day after that. They ate another cricket yesterday. And all of a sudden, it's not eating. They're feeding them daily. And I think a lot of people get into the habit or they get into the hobby. And they're assuming this is an animal that needs to be fed daily. Because, hey, every other animal they've ever kept needs to be fed daily. So it can be kind of disorienting. It can be kind of stressful to suddenly keep a pet that doesn't require that same level of care. It's one of the reasons I think tarantulas are amazing pets because for people to learn on because they really, their care is so minimal. The feeding schedule can be so varied between different keepers and everything, and it can still be okay and the animal can still thrive. It gives you a lot of wiggle room as far as husbandry is concerned, where some of the other animals, you got to be a lot more on top of things. It's not to say you should neglect your tarantulas and not feed them. I'm just saying that, obviously, if you go, I've, I've talked to people like, yeah, I couldn't get crickets this week. Is it okay if I go another week? Yeah, it's absolutely okay. You can go another two weeks. You can go a month in some cases. If it's a large, you know, adult specimen that's been well-fed and in good shape, you can go quite a long time without feeding them, and they're perfectly fine. So, and I think another thing to consider when thinking about feeding schedules and what to feed and why we, we struggle with this is because in the wild, and we're, we're going to get into a little later on some thoughts about in the wild and you know how we feed in our collections, but in the wild, you have a tarantula that's an ambush predator. It's got its den. It has to wait basically for something to walk. They're not going to go out and hunt things down. They're going to, for the most part, stay around a den, wait till something comes by that triggers, you know, their, it's their webbing or triggers that movement sense, and they feel it, and they go out, and they grab it, and they wrestle it down, and they eat it. Well, meals are intermittent when they're out in the wild. They could have a bunch of stuff, you know, one day and, and fill up, and then they can have nothing for quite some time after that. Uh, they could have a big item come by, a little lizard might come by, so they get a really good meal, and they fill up on it. Or they might have a little teeny bug come by and they grab a little, I don't know, a little cricket that's not nearly a big enough meal normally for a tarantula that size, but it's something to keep them going. And I think that's why we see in captivity people keep them on all different types of feeding schedules and still have healthy spiders that do well because they've adapted to be able to grab food when they can get it. If there is an abundance of food, guess what? The tarantula is going to eat. It's not going to go, well, you know what? There's all these lizards out here, but I am, I only want one small one today. It's going to grab as many as it can, roll them into a burrito and eat those things probably for 24 hours or so, filling up, getting as much nutrients as it can because it doesn't know when its next meal is coming. Now, the, when you put them into a collection, obviously they have a big human that's you know really concerned with making sure they get their proper nutrients and they get fed. So they are going to be getting food at a, on a regular basis, probably, but a lot of people are very scheduled. That's the way humans are. And they never have to worry about that. So we need to consider that when we talk about feeding schedules, because when it, I think anybody that comes from, like, I never tell anybody this is the correct way to feed them. What I do with my stuff and what I've always done with my Tom's Big Spider stuff is let people know this is what I do and it's working for me. That's it. It's not It's not ever, hey, here's the feeding schedule I use and everybody should use this. Here are the prey items I use and everybody should use. No, no, no. This is just what works out for me. There are other people that come out with different things like, I'm feeding my mealworms. I really like them. I can keep them in my refrigerator. Is that wrong? Absolutely not. I've used mealworms before. They're awesome. It's just, I have so many to feed. They can be a little tedious when you're trying to keep them from escaping and burrowing. So, and then you're crushing heads and dropping them in front of them. It's just easier for me to use a prey item that's going to bolt around and kind of stimulate that hunting response. 
So I never tell anybody, and I hope that doesn't come across in my videos or anything I, I put out there. If you look at my videos, usually what I say is this is the schedule I use, but there's no right or wrong feeding schedule. And I think that's important to get out there that you're not going, you shouldn't panic if you can't get a cricket for your tarantula in two weeks' time. I've, I've had people email, and I get it. I used to be like, I want consistent food items. I'm, I'm still this way. I start to freak out when we start to run out of something, even though I know darn well they can go quite some time and it's not a big deal, but I don't like not having something there to feed them. But I'll get these panicked emails. Hey, Tom, um, I, I have a juvenile GBB and I just ran out of crickets and I usually feed them every other week, but uh, it's going to be like a month this time. Is that a problem? No. Keep keep a little water dish in there. As long as it's in good shape, it's going to be fine. They can go quite some time. And then just, you know, maybe double it up when you feed it the next time. Or maybe not. Just feed it one. It doesn't matter. They're used to it because in the wild, that's how they're going to be fed. There's going to be no consistency. It's going to be maybe a bunch of food one day and then nothing for quite a while. So don't worry about that. So Mark, to address your question, one thing I do want to point out, and I don't know, hopefully I didn't say this in the video, I might have misspoken, but my Sicarius, I absolutely do not feed at multiple prey items. That's not how they eat. I And actually, that's one that I feed on a schedule that's different from most of my tarantulas because I, I feed it like maybe once a month or so. And I give it usually a smaller prey item because I found that with the bigger ones, mine doesn't seem to pop up and try to take them down. It's a, I don't know if it's a little scared of the larger ones or doesn't want to expend the energy. But for example, the other day I dropped a cricket in there, which should have been the correct size prey item. And it's it was there the next day and it hadn't eaten. And then I dropped a little roach in. It was gone within like 10 minutes. So the, with the Sicarius, I do not, I do not believe in overfeeding them. I mean, if you look at how they live, that's a species where they, the prey items are going to be few and far between. That's one of the reasons they conserve energy so well. They hide. That's why they got – most people believe they have that that very strong venom is because they can't afford to miss prey items when they get them. They can't afford to you know tag something and have it get away. They need a fast-acting venom so they can track that thing down and eat it. So those I do not feed more than one item. However, things I do feed more than one item is my larger ones. And I'll uh, go into an explanation of what I do. I feed generally weekly. When I feed my tarantulas, it's generally a weekly event. And one of the reasons I've mentioned before is that's when I do all my husbandry. So what happens is I pull out the cage go through, take out the water dish, clean out the water dish, replace it. If it's one of the deli cups and it's like soiled to the point where it's not worth washing out, I replace it. Pluck out any boluses, pluck out any. Sometimes you get a bolus that gets by a water dish and get some mold on it. I scoop that out with a spoon and then we drop some prey items in. Sometimes I drop in prey items. I found with tarantulas, a little tip, and I've been weary of putting this out there because I don't want people to think, you know, you can stick your hands in there all over the place. But I used to have a trick with my spider, my uh, snakes, where when I wanted to work in their cages, I would feed them. And while they were wrapping up and dealing with the prey, I could go and clean their cage out and everything. And they weren't a threat of bite as long as you made sure that they didn't get done, quote unquote, killing the rat before you were done. You kind of distracted them with food and you could go in there work. And that's one of the things I'll do with my spiders is I'll go in there, drop a few prey items in, they go up, they start doing their little tippy toe webbing thing. And then the other end of the cage, I can work easily and pull things out, pull water dishes out and work in there without fear of getting bitten. And it's worked well for me. The only reason I haven't put it out there is because I'm afraid somebody's going to think that means you can get right up next to them. No, that's not the case. They will, they're in feeding mode. And if you hit the right thing by them, you know, if you touch the webbing the right way, they could still go at you thinking you're food. But it seems that if you give them a couple minutes to kind of grab the crickets together, not even a couple minutes. It, it usually happens rather quickly. They grab the crickets up. They're doing a the little happy dance. You can get in there and work without worry of them, you know, coming at you. But 
that's why I feed weekly because it gives me a chance to go in weekly for most of mine. And then there's a, cab- a couple caveats to that for most of mine because it gives me a chance to go in there, check them out, make sure they're doing okay, make sure everything's you know clean. There's no issues with the water, especially in the winter time when things evaporate more quickly. Want to go in there with water, so that's why I do my weekly schedule. Now, ones I don't feed weekly, slings. I usually feed every uh, twice a week. Or so, you know, every four days, we'll say every, you know, twice in every eight days or so. It's usually, you know, I try for twice a week, but it's usually much more often than I feed my other guys because I want to make sure those are the ones I really want to check on, make sure things don't dry up again, especially in the wintertime when you got them in the small vials and, you know, they can quickly become dry out and you risk desiccation with the spider. I want to make sure that I keep up with those. So I feed them more often. Also... I like to get my slings out of that sling stage as quickly as possible. I'm not trying to like, you know, people throw the power feed around, which is kind of doesn't apply to tarantulas. It's not so much power feeding as it is. I want my spiders to grow out of that precarious stage. You know, the sling stage, they're a little more vulnerable. Once they start putting on some size, once they get to that juvenile stage and they start showing some signs of their adult colors, they're usually pretty hardy at that point. And then I slow it down to once a week with larger prey items. But with slings, I generally feed slings. One prey item, and I don't know if I've ever made that clear before. I thought I think I do on my videos and, and say that I give them one prey item. I generally don't feed slings more than one prey item because teeny tiny slings, I'm pre-killing something, drop it in there, it's big enough. Um, little, you know, small, larger slings, the ones are about an inch to an inch and a quarter or so. I'm dropping in one, you know, red runner nymph roach, and they're eating that, and that's all they need. I'm not going to drop in two because it's going to freak them out. They don't need to. So slings, it's twice a week, one prey item. For juveniles, young adults, a couple of the adults I enjoy watching eat, it's usually once a week and multiple prey items. Now, the multiple prey item part, I don't feed a lot of dubia out. I have a lot of larger spiders in my collection, like Theraphosa, Formictopus, Pamphibedius, um, the Xenthus are still kind of small, but those will be larger ones. Uh, Laziodora, a lot of big spiders. And normally what you'd want to feed them is like a dubia, like something larger. It's easier to feed something larger, like a dubia roach. But I have a small dubia roach colony. I do feed them out. Usually I give them to them after somebody's had a molt to kind of fatten them up a little bit. But I don't use them as my primary feeders. They, they burrow. They can burrow. They can dig. They play dead. They hide. And it can be kind of irritating when you're trying to feed 200 spiders. You drop a dubia in and you're watching for 10, 15 minutes to wait to see if the thing's going to move enough for the spider to register it and grab it. I've literally had situations where the spider's feet are resting on the dubia and they just sit there like that for over an hour because the dubia's like, I'm not moving. The spider's like, I think there's something here, but I can't find it. I don't have time for that. And one thing you can do is you crush their heads and that's, it's gross, but it works. And what I'll do is I'll crush the heads and drop them in, but I don't particularly care for doing that very much. So I don't use them all that much because if I was using larger prey items, and this is something that doesn't get mentioned very often, if you're using a larger prey item, and Mark, it sounds like to me, like you use as big, I think you said right in the thing, you use as big as they'll take, which is awesome, then you don't need to feed them nearly as much. And that's one of the things that doesn't get mentioned a lot is if when you mention your feeding schedule, you also kind of have to mention what size you're feeding. So for example, I may feed, I may have a more aggressive feeding schedule like once a week, but I'm also feeding them smaller meals. I remember talking to a guy, he's like, I only feed mine once a month. I don't understand why you feed yours so often. 
And I was like, whoa, okay, well, you know, here's why I do it. And I explained my reasoning. And I said, if you don't mind me asking, what are you feeding your guys? And he was feeding them large dubia or even hissers for some of his guys. So right there, there's the difference. If you're feeding a hisser, hisser is a huge meal. I do have hissers. I do feed them out occasionally. I, I don't like doing it because I like my hissers. But for some of the big ones like the Therophosa, the Formictopus, they make a great meal. They also climb. So for some of my uh, – Piece Letheria, the larger piece Letheria, they come out and they climb and they get them off the side of the enclosure, which is kind of cool. But for a meal that large, I've had spiders. I think the last time I fed out a hisser was to my large female Laziodora parahibana, and she was eating it 24 hours later. That's a huge meal. That's that's an instance where you're not going to feed that again, that same meal out a week later if it takes them 24 hours or more to digest it and break it down. So what I do is with the larger prey items, if I drop in a dubia or I drop in a hisser, I'm going to go two weeks before I try feeding again. I'm going to go three weeks. I've gone a month. I think when I fed her that big one, I went quite a while afterwards because that was a big meal for her. So that's something to always take into consideration is the size of the prey items you're feeding. There's a lot of little variables here. And and again, it's not an exact science. I want to make that very clear. This isn't going to be a podcast where people that were like trying to figure out their own feeding schedule walk out like, oh, that's it. I got it now. No, it's just kind of you, you do it by feel. You do it by... You figure out how often you want to be in there feeding. You want to figure out what size you're going to feed, and that kind of determines what type of schedule you're going to get. And generally, people that feed more often are feeding smaller prey. People that feed less often generally are feeding larger prey. Not always. I I talked to a buddy of mine that was telling me that he feeds his, on average, about once a month, and he drops a couple crickets in each. He goes, I don't want to overfeed them. They wouldn't get that in the wild. Uh, The idea is to, you know, make sure that they're getting their nutrients, but not to overdo it. And I completely understand that as well. So I think when it comes to feeding, if you have somebody coming on going, that's the wrong feeding schedule, they don't know what they're talking about. That's my uh, honest to God opinion, because I think we have too many people out there that think they know everything and want to go in and correct people. And I've had people tell me, I had somebody a few years ago say they posted their feeding schedule on some Facebook group and people were telling them the feeding schedule was terrible. And the way he came to me, he's like, hey, Tom, this is a feeding schedule. How does this sound? I'm like, yeah, it sounds great. And he's like, really? Because I just got torn apart for saying that's when I fed, how often I fed. I forget what it was. I think they were feeding less often and people were like, you got to feed them more than that. No, it's, there's, it's really comes down to what's convenient for you. Now, again, we talk about not starving them. I had a guy once that said that he fed his every three or four months. That's probably pushing it. And I did convince him that you probably need to feed them a little more than that. His spider was, in his defense, I believe it was a G, uh, was it a G Porteri or a G? It might have been a Pulcropes. And it looked in good shape. So it definitely wasn't hurting the spider. And when you take into account that some of these species can fast for months on end, or in some cases over a year, you recognize that it's not going to harm the spider, not feeding it as often. Now, one thing that came out, and I wish I knew who had told me this, but somebody had come out, a biologist or a taxonomist, and it was basically a plea to the hobby saying that we all overfeed our tarantulas. That, And I, I don't want to try to quote and come up with exact, like I, I can't remember exactly what it was. I tried to find it before this, but it was, it was definite food for thought. He said, in the wild, you never see them that fat. You never see, he goes, I see these, you know, overly large, obese tarantulas in people's collections. And it makes me sad because we're, you know, 
basically insinuating that we're overfeeding our, our tarantulas. And that gave me a lot of thought because I'm like, on one hand, he's like, you know, uh, he's probably right because in the wild, you're right. In the wild, they're not getting as much food. You're probably seeing much thinner specimens because of the fact that there is no regular supply of food in some of these places. I'm, I'm sure some places it's more abundant than others. I'm sure some that they run into food more than we would think, but in some areas they're going to, it's, they're not going to have food just dropping in on them at a regular basis. So I started thinking about that and I'm like, man, that's, that's a really good point. We do kind of, we all are spiders are fat and everything. And then on the flip side, I started thinking to myself, but like, all right, so say we see wild dogs, wild dogs can be mangy, skinny, it's not healthy. It's because they can't find enough food. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like it's comparing apples to oranges. Obviously, when you find animals out in the wild, some animals out in the wild, they're going to be thinner because they don't have the access to food. Not that they wouldn't like the food. Not that it wouldn't be better for them to have the food. You know, it's the wild. That's what happens. It's it, You have harsh conditions. You have droughts. There's probably not the availability of prey. And so you're going to get thinner spiders. I don't necessarily buy into the fact that the majority of the hobby is overfeeding them. But again, I'm not sure. It's something I give a lot of thought to. And it's it has made me rethink when I heard that. It made me rethink how I was feeding. Was I feeding too much? I think there are cases, honestly, I've seen cases where people – and it's usually the ones who are just getting into the hobby – and again, is it wrong? I won't say it's wrong, but the people that feed daily, there's there's a contingency of people that get in and they feed theirs daily. And here's the deal with the daily feeding. You're going to get a very fat spider, which, but even if you feed normally, you're, you're likely to end up with a, a pretty fat spider. Ultimately, that's how we tell they're going in a pre-malt. One of the ways is that their, you know, abdomens are nice and, and full, but you're going to get a very fat spider that's going to go into pre-malt for an incredibly long period of time. That's basically the consequence for that. So a lot of times I get these emails. I don't get it. I've been feeding. I was feeding my spider. I picked it up in August and I was feeding it two or three crickets every single day and it stopped eating and it hasn't eaten. In some cases, it hasn't eaten for quite some time, like two months, three months. Or I'll get the, hey, Tom, I have a, I don't know, adult female T. albopelosis that I picked up and she was eating really well, but hasn't eaten in like three months and I don't know what's going on with her. And usually the first question I ask is, what was your feeding schedule like? What were you feeding her? How much? What size? And then a lot of times when I get back, oh, I was feeding her every other day, like four or five crickets. I'm like, well, right there's your what's going on. She filled up very quickly and now you have that elongated pre-molt issue. So or elongated pre-molt period, which tends to freak people out. So that's the, when you quote unquote overfeed them, that's one of the consequences is that you're going to have those longer pre-mold periods. I did this with a, I think it was Formictopus cancerides. I just enjoyed feeding my Formictopus species so much and they were growing so quickly. And I remember mine hit like the five and a half inch mark and it looked like a, a Formictopus. And this was within like a year's time. And I'm like, this is amazing. So I was just feeding this thing constantly. That the next pre-molt period lasted close to a year. I had fattened her right up and then she didn't molt forever. And that's like one of the species I've noticed you can do that with. You can not overfeed them, but you feed them so much so quickly that they go into those long pre-molt periods, which again can be stressful and confusing to somebody that's not used to spiders not eating for long periods of time. The other consequence you can end up with is the fact that you can get spiders that can get quite fat. And 
I don't know if I'd use the term obese. I think we need to do more studying with tarantulas before we start throwing that word out. It kind of bothers me when people say that because if you've ever seen, again, if you've seen a tarantula that's in heavy premolt, a lot of them, especially like Brachypelma species, Afonopelma species, they get big in the booty and that's normal. So calling them obese, that's kind of silly. That's them fattening up so they can use those stores to basically create their new exoskeleton and molt and, and gain size. But when you get one that's super fat and plump, there is a higher risk of damage from falls. They There have you know, I remember reading a while back, and I thought it was kind of ridiculous at the time, but it was a thread. I think it was on arachnoboards, and it was about Pamphibedia species eating right up into the point where they are going to molt, and people talking about them spontaneously bursting. I find that odd. I, I think spiders wouldn't be around that long, millions of years, if they could eat until they literally exploded. I have a hard time with that one. So again, I'm not saying there wasn't a situation where somebody's fattened up to the point where it might have fallen. It could even have been a shortfall and burst its abdomen. And who knows, maybe there was a situation where one got so fat it appeared to just burst. I just don't see that being a natural occurrence. And I think about what happens in the wild. One of them catches and you get a... Uh, a Pamphibedia species catches a mouse and eats the mouse. That's a big meal. That could fatten it up in one shot to the point where it's quite rotund. And then it just bursts. I just don't see it happening. So I I think with the obese thing, it's, it's throwing around a word that isn't ap- uh, applicable to the situation. That's my opinion, though. Maybe somebody wants to come up with, you know, they've done a, if they've done a study on spider obesity or tarantula obesity, I'm not being cheeky. I'd like to hear about it. Are, are there health issues if you fatten up a spider too quickly and, and throughout its life, if you fatten it up, do you do this often? Like if you have a spider that's, you're fattening it up, it goes into a long pre-molt. You fatten up again, it goes into a long pre-molt. Are there health issues because of that? Could it, you know, impact the longevity of the spider? I don't know. I'd love to hear information there. I don't know how you'd study that because it would be difficult. Part of the problem is they live so darn long that by the time you started one of these experiments, say you started it with a brachy, it could be 40 years down the road before you found out, you know, when they finally pass away from natural causes, what the impact is. So I think that's a problem there. But I'd love to hear it. Again, I'm, I'm not close-minded on it. I just think when people start going on and going, that spider's way too fat. What are you talking? You don't know anything about it. You don't know the feeding schedule. You don't know, like, that could have been a spider that's been eating over the course of a year and just fattened up. It kind of drives me nuts. So I don't think that you'll necessarily get an obese spider. Do I think, I mean, in my heart, do I feel like feeding a spider daily is a good idea. No, I wouldn't do it personally. I I can't say it's wrong, but it, I, I've seen enough of spiders and their growth to recognize that it, that's not something I would want to try, nor would I see any real advantage in it. That's my take on it. And But, you know, again, until we have studies, who knows? As far as feeding them less, again, I don't see any problems with that. It just means your spider grows more slowly. There's no big issue there. Basically, what the spider is going to do, it's going to eat until it hits that spot where its body tells it it's time to molt and it's going to stop eating. So whether that happens more quickly, whether that happens over a longer stretch, I will say that the spiders that I've found for many of my spiders, the ones that I feed less often when they go into pre-molt, the pre-molt period seems to be a little shorter than the ones that I've kind of fed the heck out of and fattened up quickly. And I noticed that specifically with my Formictopus species, but I've seen it with other things as well. So if you feed them once a month, what's wrong with that? Nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. If you feed them a smaller meal once a month, is there anything wrong with that? No, not at all. There's actually a flip side 
to the folks that complain people feed them too much or too often, there's the ones that complain that you're not feeding them enough. I was watching a video and somebody's now with a comment and the guy mentioned he feeds them once a month and somebody's like, you got to feed yours more than that. And like, no, you don't. You really don't. And he was feeding good sized meals. So when it comes to feeding, I think the moral of the story is there's no blueprint for it. There's no right or wrong. I think for many people, you figure out what you're going to feed. You, you know, It takes you a little while to figure out what you're going to use for a feeding item, what's going to be readily available, what you're going to keep on hand. You find a schedule that works for you, and that's great. The problems arise when somebody comes up and finds somebody that has a feeding schedule that differs from theirs and immediately assumes that theirs is the right feeding schedule and that the other person's is the wrong feeding schedule, and that gets a little ridiculous as far as I'm concerned. So if you want to feed yours larger meals and feed them less often, if you want to feed them smaller meals and feed them less often, there's nothing wrong with that. This is really one of the biggest gray areas in the hobby. In fact, one thing to know, having spoken to many people that breed tarantulas and dealers that keep huge numbers on stock, a lot of times they feed them once a month and they're perfectly fine. They don't need an overaggressive feeding schedule. So for people that are on that side of it and think, oh my gosh, you need to feed them more, they don't. And for people who feed them more often, it doesn't really harm the spider. The spider is just going to hit that point where its body says we're done and it's going to go into pre-molt and that's going to be it. Again, we don't want overly fat spiders that could be, you know, in danger of fall damage out there. And that's something, you know, they can fat. I have seen situations, and I'll throw this out there food for thought, and just to throw a little monkey wrench in my whole argument here, where I have a spider that's pretty fat and I drop in a prey item that's probably a little too large for it and it eats the prey item and eats the whole prey item and then you have a spider that's super fat. That's a spot where it can get tricky. I had that happen before with an enchromatis. It was it was fat and I honestly thought it was probably in pre-molt and one of the things I do when they're in pre-molt is I'll drop – usually what I do is I drop in a very small prey item to see if they're still eating and that way if they're still eating, they just get that tiny prey item because I don't want to give them too much. In this instance, I, I don't know what I was doing, uh, what I was thinking. I dropped in a an adult female dubia roach, and I didn't think it was going to go for the roach. It went for the roach. It ate the roach, and my lord, it was, it was chubby afterwards. And I think that was a situation where it was probably right on that borderline of turning itself off to go into pre-molt. I dropped in this prey item. It went and ate the whole item, and this thing was probably dangerously, precariously large in the abdomen area. So there are situations, I will concede, where if the timing's right and you drop in a big item and the thing just was right at that threshold about to turn off and it eats the whole item, that you could end up with a spider that's overly fat. For the most part, I have had other situations where the spider has started to eat a larger prey item and left part of it behind. So apparently the spider gauging, all right, that's my cutoff point and hadn't eaten the whole thing. So on the flip side, again, I've seen situations where they seem to recognize this is too much for me. I can't eat this whole meal and they leave it behind. But there is that possibility, especially with a, you know, a spider with a really good feeding response that they could, I guess, eat to that point to put them in a dangerous situation. I mean, this Nandu looked like it was going to absolutely burst. And the, and the one species that I hear are the one genus that I usually hear this about is Theraphosa species because back in the day, the there was this rumor or myth that if you didn't feed them enough, they would die, that they had to be constantly fed or else they'd just wither away and die. It was this weird thing. And I think what it came from is a lot of the ones you saw in the market were captive or wild caught and you'd get them in and they were super skinny. And I'm guessing a lot of them probably sadly ended up dying because of malnutrition and maltreatment being shipped over to you know the pet trade. 
but there was this, I've heard it before and I've had people, even some of my newer videos come on and go, yeah, those guys, I want to get them, but I just don't know if I can feed them as much as they'll need. So I think what happens, people start throwing in mice and everything else and fatten them up. And those, I've seen some situations where they are really, really fat. But uh, more often than not, it's not going to be an issue. You don't have to worry about that kind of thing. Find a schedule that works for you. Um, real quick, because I realize I never quite addressed the multiple prey item part. If you feed them one prey item and it's a bigger prey item, feed them one prey item. It's not, It doesn't – I feed multiples because I have – what I do is I buy – I like crickets for feeders. I know everybody hates crickets. I have so many people that get upset. They're like, why aren't you, why aren't you using roaches? You should do roach colonies. I do have roach colonies. I have a dubia colony. I have a hisser colony and I have a red runner or Turkestan roach. What are they? Turkestan roaches? Red, red, I forget what the other name is. The B-lats, lateralis. And I, I would say my second favorite f- uh, feeder are the B-lats because they have, the babies are perfect for the tiny slings, the little tiny nymphs. They, the larger ones are good for, you know, especially when you get a lot of males. I like feeding all the males out, which aren't the biggest prey item in the world, but you throw multiples in there. And that's where my multiples come from because when you're feeding larger spiders like yesterday i was feeding i was feeding one of my formictibus green femurs that's pushing probably seven and a half inches though she's a big leggy girl and i dropped in a single large cricket it just looked woefully inadequate for a spider that size so what i do is i drop in a few and then they can cricket burrito it and it's a good size meal so if you're feeding large i know some people like well feed them larger prey items it doesn't matter if you feed, you can feed a larger, I could feed a one dubia roach or I could feed a four or five crickets. It doesn't really matter. Now for smaller ones, what happens is I found with some of my smaller spiders, they get frightened by larger prey items. It, it doesn't happen to a lot, but for some of my specimens, and I know I've spoken to other people that have noticed the same thing, you drop in something. I think what it comes down to, it's not so much the spider's afraid of it. That I think it's almost an instinctual risk versus reward, where if they sense that the prey item might be big enough to actually give them a run for their money, to harm them, or to even be too large for them to subdue, they pass it by. They're like, all right, I'm not going to expend energy trying to take this big thing down. That's what I, again, just my guess, my you know theory, but when you have a situation where they run from it, they have decided this thing is not going to be attainable. I'm just going to wait till something more appropriately sized comes along. So what I found for some of my smaller ones, I do have spiders that like I'll drop in a big prey item, it spooks them and then they won't eat it. And then I have to take the thing out and drop in something smaller. So what I like to do is if I test them out, like the other day I was feeding a bee smithy and it's a little one, I think it's about an inch and a quarter now, cute little thing. And I dropped in a little teeny tiny roach and it was probably too small for the spider. And she immediately grabbed it. So I dropped in a second little teeny tiny roach and she grabbed that one. I know I just said, I always feed my slings, you know, one prey item, but this was a situation where the one I dropped in was pitifully small. So I dropped in a second. So I think for some of us, we start gauging just, for me, it's gauging the volume of what I'm feeding. I look at the spider, I look what the ideal, like what I would feed if I had a prey item that large, and then I count out enough crickets to give them that same size, you know, the same volume of food that I would have if it had been a larger roach or something. That's what I do. So as far as multiples, if you drop in bigger prey items, yeah, you don't have to do multiples. I tend to use smaller prey items because I kind of see what they're, you know, what mood they're in, what they're, if they're looking like they're going to eat with the smaller ones, making sure that the prey item isn't too big for them. And then if they snatch it up, I drop in more. So it's just, for me, it's just easier to count them out. Plus I like watching them hunt. I love watching them scarf them all up if you're dropping in five crickets, now think about it. If you've got an eight-inch spider, seven-and-a-half-inch spider, 
Five crickets is about the size, maybe a little larger than a large female dubia roach. It's about the same size. It's not a big deal. It's just you're giving them more. And quite frankly, it's a blast to watch. We go When we do the feedings, we, the kids come around the table a lot and Billy come around the table. And I'll drop in like the formictopus and we'll drop in a few crickets and watch them try to grab them all up. It's adorable. Sometimes they scoop them all in their mouth. My uh, Aranya Polito is one of my favorites to watch because she like gets herself right down the ground, scoops them all up into her mouth. It's fun to watch. They get a little, you know, they don't need exercise, but they get to work that hunting instinct a little bit. You get a good little show and they get a nice size meal. So that's, I don't think it's, you know, it doesn't matter how many you feed. It doesn't matter how often you feed for the most part. Find something that works for you and your lifestyle and your way of keeping. As long as your animal is getting the nutrients it needs, it's fine. It doesn't matter if you're dropping in one cricket, you know, every week or four crickets once a month, whatever it may be, your spider is going to do fine. And don't worry if somebody has a different schedule than you. It's not something you should be needing to police. It's not something, you know, again, if you've got somebody that you feel like, you know, we... I can remember one instance where somebody talked about everybody feeding their spiders so much and that they only fed theirs like every two or three months. It was some, I want to say it was an arachnoboards post. I could be wrong. It could have been a Facebook post, but I remember him showing pictures of his spiders and they did look thin. So that's a situation where, you know what, you're probably going a little too realistic and a little too close to what it would be like in nature there. I don't agree with that. But for the most part, it's it's up to you. Figure, figure out something that works for you. I do I say it in all my videos. I say it in the articles now. The only reason I share what I do is because people always ask, and I, it's an example of one way you can feed and a starting point for people who are just getting into the hobby, but I can't tell you how many people have come on and go, yeah, I used to do it like you do it, and now I, I feed less often, or I feed more, or I feed bigger things, or I don't like crickets anymore. Awesome. That's the best part about this hobby. Everybody can have their own way of doing things. Now, I, I'm, that'll do it for this topic. I, I've gone into the different feeders before, and I've had people, a couple people lately have asked me about going into my thoughts on the different types of feeders again. If that's something people are interested in, I don't mind revisiting old topics because, again, as I spend more time in the hobby, I develop different opinions. and I, I come up with new ideas. So it's something I wouldn't mind revisiting. I'm not hitting it in this one because it wasn't really the question mark asked. And uh, I do think it's an interesting topic. I do have my thoughts because that's another spot where people seem to get really like it's like they root for their prey items like people root for sports teams. Like they come in and like, oh, you use crickets. You should use this. Like, okay, buddy, I've used everything that's available out there. These are what works for me. The crickets are just I think it's, I started with crickets. I think when everybody gets to that point where their collection starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger and they realize, all right, do I really want to buy crickets all the time or do I want to get roach colonies? So I picked up roach colonies and I was raising roach colonies and I liked the roaches. I, I particularly like the red runners. I really like those, the B-lats. And they kind of come in the same sizes you can get crickets in. I love the fact that they have the little teeny babies that are great for feeding tiny slings. A lot to love about them. But when it comes down to it, I just, the crickets, I'm so much faster plucking. I'm like a ninja with those tongs with the crickets. Like I can get them so quickly. And when you're feeding, you know, like yesterday I sat down, I think I fed 125 spiders. You don't want to sit there chasing roaches all around. You don't want the, if the thing with the B-lats, if you're a little too hard with them, that you kind of squish them and they release this thing, this like clear liquid, which may be their, you know, guts or blood. I'm not quite sure what's going on there, but it's sticky as heck. So then everything starts to stick to the tongs. It's just messy with the crickets. I snatch them up. I chuck them in there. I want another one. I chuck it in there. It, it goes much more quickly. So that's why I use them. We found a place nearby a pet store where she gets the crickets locally. They aren't mailed to her that somebody drives them to her. So they're in good shape no matter what the weather is. And then Billy goes up, God bless her, picks them up for me. So we get a thousand crickets a pop. 
They cost me, I think, like 25 bucks, 30 bucks, maybe tops. I think 20, 27, we'll say. And they last me a month. And for me, it's like 27 bucks is not a big deal compared to the convenience of being able to feed things out quickly. So that's why I do crickets. I get a lot of people ask, you know, aren't they stinky? Well, the trick is with crickets, if you let them start dying off and that, or it gets super humid, you'll have one of those mass die offs. And then basically it's like you watch, you have one cricket die. If you don't remove it quickly, a couple crickets die. Next thing you know it, they're all dropping dead. You want to avoid that. But we feed them carrots. We do our mix where Billy mix up the thing with it's like ground up. It's cornmeal, oats, a little bit of fish food, I think. And she blends it all up. We feed that to them for their actual you know, main diet. And then we use carrots or potatoes in there for moisture. I do not spray things down. I keep things dry. The, you, I use adequate ventilation in the cricket enclosure and they stay alive for quite a while. The last batch we had actually went, I believe it was five weeks. A thousand went five weeks. And just it's a, conven- a convenience thing for me. So uh, we kind of inadvertently went to a different topic here about the parietums, but that's why I use crickets. They're convenient for me. They're easy to use. When I'm doing a feeding, it, it I can bang it out really quickly. And I have kind of my own portion set in my head. When I take out each spider, I know basically how many crickets is going to get. This one's going to get one cricket. This one's going to get one smaller cricket. This one's going to get three larger crickets. This one's going to get five larger crickets. I have kind of the already the plan in my head when I get it out. So it just makes feeding go so much more quickly. So love the crickets. I'm a proponent for the crickets, but I totally get when people rattle off, you know, they're so noisy. Yep. I get it. They smell bad. Yep. If they start rotting, they can smell bad. They don't last very long. Yep. If it gets humid, they don't last very I get it. I totally get it. For me though, once I found this place where you can get them for a decent price, you know, 25, 30 bucks a month for me to feed all of those spiders, the majority of my spiders is a great deal and well worth the money. All right. So that will do it for this one. We're going to try to not miss. I'm so bummed about missing the other day. I can't even tell you. The uh, I had such a good streak going. And it was kind of a pride thing for me because we, when I started the podcast, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to keep up with it. And I had, I missed one day where again, it was something weird happened and I didn't post a video. I think my computer broke down or something. and I wasn't able to post one up, but I had had a streak going for, I think like a year, a year and a half where I hadn't missed an episode. And then we forgot. I still think something went wrong because a while back I went to post a video and I got the email saying your podcast has been posted and somebody emailed me like, hey, where's the podcast? What do you mean? It's up. And they're like, no, you didn't post it up. And sure enough, it had turned itself off. It had unposted itself. And I'm positive because I had the email that it went up. And I'm wondering if that didn't happen again because I sat here on Sunday night. I went to Billy. Like sometimes what happens is we get caught. We're watching a movie or something um, and I forget to post up and all of a sudden it's like eight o'clock. Like, oh God, the podcast. So I remember turning around going, oh, podcast. And I went, I pulled it up and I posted it and then somehow it wasn't there. So I apologize. I'm bummed, but I will try to keep up with it. It was cool because people were like, yeah, I just went through reruns. I can't believe people listen to the, like, uh, God bless you. I can't believe people go back and listen to the old ones again. Like for me, it's, I would figure it'd be a one and done, but I guess people go back and listen to them. So that's awesome. So we'll do it at some point. We'll do an extra episode. I'm thinking about posting two up this weekend. We'll see how it goes. It might be nice to have a buffer because technically close the house next weekend. We're probably just going to want to lounge around here and, and pick stuff up and continue, you know, packing or whatever. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, there'll definitely be a double episode at some point coming up. I, I think I had mentioned that it might be last week, but uh, I didn't end up getting it up. The week was crazy, but I'll, I'll I'll make it up to you guys. So anyway, that will do it for this one. As always, you can find me on thomasbigspiders.com. You can find me on uh, YouTube with older videos because I haven't posted anything up in like a month and a half and uh, just haven't had the energy to do it. And plus my, my green screen's down. I've got all this video saved on my computer that I've got to get out there. So... And I got a haircut in the process, so I'm going to suddenly go from one video having the long hair to the next video having the shorter hair, which will be interesting. So 
keep an eye on that. Anyway, guys, hope everybody's doing well. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.